Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, July 7th, 2016. We're going to be talking some free agency on today's podcast. Uh, I have some special guests. Um, you guys might remember Jonathan Hopkins or J-Hop, a good buddy of mine from college who is still a very good friend of mine and also a gigantic NBA uh, fan, particularly the San Antonio Spurs. Well, Today, I was able to get Jonathan and his brother, Sam Hopkins, on the podcast. So we had double the Sam going on today. We had me, Jonathan, and Sam, because Jonathan and Sam Hopkins, or as I affectionately like to refer to them as the Hopkins brothers, uh, they wanted to get on the show to talk some NBA free agency. We do a lot of stuff today. Uh, We recorded this yesterday on the 6th, but uh, this is really dynamite stuff. We talk all about Kevin Durant. Uh, this And by the way, a little mini disclaimer, we recorded this probably about an hour or two before Dwayne Wade committed to going to the Chicago Bulls, so you're, you're not going to hear us talking about Wade going to the Bulls, uh, and that is why. Um, but this is a great podcast, it was really fun talking uh, some stuff, it was really fun talking free agency with these guys, they're truly the best. Um, Jonathan, you should check out his... Uh, smithstreetstage.org. He's the executive director of Smith Street Stage. And uh, Sam Hopkins, uh, you know, aside from being a debate coach and uh, taking my old job at my old employer, is just a fantastic guy. Also knows plenty about basketball. Either way, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to let these guys do the talking. Without any further ado, here it is, me, Jonathan, and Sam talking about some NBA free agency. All right, everybody, we're going to be sitting down uh, for today's show. We're talking an awful lot of NBA free agency, and I brought on a couple of special guests. Uh, You may have heard my good buddy Jonathan Hopkins on the show before. Um, You also might have heard about his smithstreetstage.org, which I always tell you to check out whenever he comes on the show. But today we have a special, special double guest. We don't just have Jonathan Hopkins. We also have his brother, Sam Hopkins. That's right. You get double the Sam, double the pleasure, double the fun. The Hopkins brothers are here today to talk about NBA free agency. Jonathan, Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Just, I want to be on record as I am the younger brother, so that makes me Mark Gasol, the Jonathan's Pau Gasol. And we're all that also accounts for basketball talent. Where isn't isn't Lincoln our older brother, Pal? Isn't there a third Gasol brother who's not in the NBA? Yeah, that's well, we can go that later because he's not on the pod yet. Okay, I see. So I mean, wouldn't it wouldn't it more be like you know? So Lincoln would be the Cooper Manning, the older brother <laughs> who hasn't who hasn't made it to the pod. I mean, that, that does pod. seem appropriate, but Sam, you do understand that by making Jonathan Powell, you essentially gave your brother the championship ring, whereas you don't have one. Yeah, two rings. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's true. And also, if I'm Marcus Hall, that means that my teammate just became the highest played NBA player in the history of professional basketball. Mr. Conley? So, yeah. Would that be your, your roommate, Nick Cox, would, be, would count as that? I think so. I think that's... He'll be pleased to know that he'll be making $153 million over the next five years. Dude, Mike Conley officially holding the record as the largest contract in NBA history. That's, I don't know. There's something a little strange about that. Well, don't worry. It won't last. All <laughs> these records will be shattered over and over and over again over the next couple of years. Guys. Yeah, I saw, someone, I saw someone out there say that, you know, his contract, and I think Damian Lillard, there might be one other one, maybe maybe. DeMar DeRozan are all their contracts are now greater than what LeBron James has made throughout his entire career to this point. Oh my God. But that of course doesn't include, I mean, I think he made $90 million from Sprite in his first 
year in the league. So I, you know, guys, it's kind of a wash. I've, I've, I've said this on a lot of my shows, and I'm going to continue to say it. These guys, their bosses are not the teams they play for. Their bosses are Nike and Under Armour. These shoe companies own these guys. Right, and and can we do we want to segue that from that may be one of several reasons why a big free agent changed teams. I think that is a free agent. It's a perfect segue, Jonathan. Let's go right into it, guys. The big news uh, that's coming out. This was this was the free agency of Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was the big name out there. Everybody was clearly courting him, and the fireworks on Fourth of July weren't just the fireworks celebrating Independence Day, but they were also celebrating Kevin Durant's decision to go create a super team and join the Golden State Warriors. All right, which one of you guys wants to start off first? Who? Tell me what. Give me reactions. Um. Well, yeah, that's that's really what it is. Um, we were actually driving. Um, we were on the road together. We were road tripping back to Brooklyn when the news hit, and we were eating lunch, and we were just we, we were totally floored. I mean, we we pulled out our phones and immediately were. I mean, we spent the next forty five minutes just refreshing, you know, Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe and Haralabob and mm-hmm. Woj, and, and I mean, it's 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 cliche to call it unprecedented, but I really think it is because if you compare this to LeBron leaving Cleveland in 2010, the supporting cast wasn't as good, and they weren't as close to a championship. I, I mean, agree. The, I, com- I completely agree. And so, yeah, I, I'm totally floored. I did. I would have put this at maybe at less than 10%. I, I mean... A, a chance that he would leave for Golden State. I felt very confident that he was staying with Oklahoma City, at least... You know, this was something that was very revelatory to me about who Kevin Durant is as a bit of a person. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that came out with this decision is we learned a lot about Kevin Durant um, because I think he'd been towing the company line for a very long time. He was kind of being loyal to his team. Um, So it was definitely a shock to me. But we also need to, you know, we can't ignore the fact that this salary cap situation is what allowed this, you know, situation to come to fruition, all right? In a normal, if it was any other year, the Warriors would never have had enough cap room to squeeze in Kevin Durant. Jonathan, do you agree with that? Unless, well, they wouldn't have had any the cap room to sign Durant and keep their top four players. Exactly. Which is, I mean, the, which is the crazy thing. It's, okay, it's already the most insane thing to win 73 games. But then to win 73 games and add a player who's top five conservatively and, like, probably top three yeah. in the entire league. Yeah. And then you do that without losing Steph, Clay, Draymond, or Iguodala. I mean, I mean, that's an all-star team you're talking about right there. To, to be switching out Harrison Barnes from your starting lineup and switching Kevin Durant in, I mean, that's just unfair. It, it is. There's... Okay, can we? I would like to put a couple of um, sort of like disclaimers, sort of on the remainder of the conversation, or at least for myself. And if you guys want to agree, you can agree. Right. I think Kevin Durant has the right as a person to sign wherever he wants to sign. So that's for me. That's not the issue. I don't like it. And there's a lot of reasons I don't like it, and I can get into it. But I don't want anything that I take misconstrued as me saying that he shouldn't be able to do this. 
Okay. He, he, okay, so he's a person. It's his right. I can have an opinion about it, but I'm not trying to say that he shouldn't be able to, to, to do this or this is some sort of a failing on his part or anything like that. So, yes, he has the right to sign wherever he wants to sign. Now, That's one disclaimer. Now, you okay, what's your second disclaimer? Uh, they're going to win everything forever. Okay. <laughs> so, like, when we talk about, like, how the chemistry is going to work, or, like, or is there going to be enough shots for Draymond? When we try to start, like, picking holes in their team, I think... And when we talk about how super teams, like the, the 2011 Heat, the 2000... What was it? The next year when the Lakers brought on Nash? 2000, was that 2000? Uh, that, was, that was maybe... A, I think it might have been 2012, maybe even. Yeah, it was, it was, 20, it was 2012. Yeah, it was all that was the same year they the, traded for Dwight Howard too. Right, yeah. right. So that, I think it was 2012 for the summer 2012 for the 2013 season, um, and then we can even do Lakers when they brought in Malone and Peyton. Um, but, but again, none of those are like this because none of those teams won 73 games. Top, they kept their top four players and brought in a top three player. So none. Of, but so we can talk about how like why do those teams always need a little more time, or why do. Oftentimes they, they seem to disappoint, at least in the short term. But so but so we can talk about that and if Draymond and Kevin Durant are gonna get along or like who's the first guy who's gonna get sick of being asked what it's like to be the fourth option mm-hmm. on Golden State. Mm-hmm. So we can talk about all those things, but they're gonna win at everything. Now I, now speaking and Sam, I wanna come back to you because I want some of your thoughts on the Kevin Durant move as well, but I wanna mention the super team. So you did point out a couple of great examples of super teams like the Lakers when they brought in Carl Malone and Gary Payton when they also tried to bring in Steve Nash. I'm also thinking of a couple other super teams which have functioned within the last you know decade or so was LeBron coming to Miami, uh, but also Kevin Durant and Ray Allen going to Boston. Um, they were all examples of a super team coming together, and for better or worse, they did accomplish their mission, which was winning a title. Uh, I don't think any of them, there was any absolute definitive, you know, it was going to happen. I think they did work their way up to making it happen because as much as these super teams look great on paper, you never know until we actually play out the games. Um, And listen, I can remember a super team in Minnesota when Kevin Durant brought in uh, Sam Cassell and Wally Zerbiak and Michael Alawakandi and they were supposed to be winning titles. And listen, it looked great on paper. It didn't look good on the court. Um, but Sam, I want you to give me your reaction to Kevin Durant leaving Oklahoma. Now, I agree with your brother. He absolutely has the right to do this. How do you, how do you personally feel about him making this decision? Almost like Charles Barkley coming out saying, I don't like this. I feel like he's almost cheating. What do you think about Kevin Durant leaving Oklahoma? Um, well, I, I certainly agree with everything. The, the blankets that have been thrown out in terms of, you know, he has a right to do this. Absolutely. Um, I I personally don't like it for a few reasons. I don't think that he's trying to cheat his way into a ring. I think that's what Barkley said. I don't think that um, this is the uh, the weakest move by a superstar ever, which I think was Stephen A. Smith's hot take. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't agree with that kind of um, overstatement. But I do think that I think that it's confusing for a few reasons. And I think the first is that Durant seems like a player who keeps his cards close to his chest with the exception that he is very outspoken and very defensive of his teammates. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as we all know, if I could, if I could interject, and very, um, very, pr- you know, it was Reggie Jackson. Yeah. He was very offended at the idea that someone would want to leave Oklahoma City or someone would want to play somewhere else. And so to, just to add to what you're saying about his, um, how he seems Absolutely. to be defensive of things, yeah. Um, and so that's, so it, it just strikes me as out of character. And it's silly to say that because I don't know Kevin Durant. We, I've never hung out with him. You know, we don't text each other. So I don't know him as a human. But just based on his persona as a character, I mean, his persona as an NBA player, he, he seems to be someone who's very loyal. Um, you know, he went after Skip Bayless, and Skip Bayless was really critical of Russell Westbrook. And and I, I just felt like he would be defensive and loyal to that organization because I, I feel like that would come from the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There are some things that I've I've heard about this that that may make sense, and these might just be justifications after the fact of the kinds of things that come out after the fact. I have read that he very much tries to please people, so there's a possibility that all of these statements were just trying to do what he thought people would want to hear. And I've heard or read that he's very impressionable, mm-hmm. and that. Oklahoma City wanted to get a commitment from him June 30th mm-hmm. and then pursue Horford because they thought if they had Durant in the bag, they could move Cantor and then bring in Horford. Um, but without Durant committed, they knew that Horford would be interested. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant says, oh, like, oh, that's a cool idea. I'm still going to take these meetings. And that as soon as he agreed to take the meetings, they thought the door was open. Just because when he gets – when someone's in the room with him, he's going to listen. You know, and, and – to- to go back to what I was saying about this is really revelatory about who Kevin Durant is as a person. Uh, you know, I, I, I can safely say I'm a people pleaser. I'm somebody who will come in and smile at everybody. I like to talk to people. I like to charm. I like to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, sounds great, sounds great. Now, you just said that Kevin Durant is somebody who likes to please, who is impressionable. Um, this could be a situation where, you know, for years, he's kind of been, you know, listen, I don't think he's been opposed to staying in Oklahoma City, but I think he truly felt like, you know, that was the best thing to do. It's the classy thing to do. It's the professional thing to do. And I think that this is probably the first time in his career where he has been put into a situation with this much leverage and with the salary cap exploding the way it is, you know, not only does he have leverage to go to another team, but he also has leverage to actually do what he did with Golden State, which is sign a one-and-one. I mean, he really does have this unique opportunity to go play on a de facto all-star team in Golden State, and then if it doesn't work out, he can change his mind. I mean, for, I mean, for all he cares, he could go right back to Oklahoma City and sign a max deal with them next summer. I mean, is that accurate? He could. And I think there's a lot of people are going to talk and speculate about what Westbrook is going to do or uh, Preston is going to trade Westbrook. But I do one thing that I want to want to point out here is another reason why I feel like this is so jarring is not just that he's going to a team that is historically good, uh, and not just that he is historically good. And now we have uh, the last three MVP trophies on the same team. Oh my God! But. I just I have all these images running through my head of Kevin Durant saying something nice about every single teammate when he won the MVP award. I have this image in my head of him on the ground with grieving families following the tornadoes in Oklahoma City, and I think he gave something like over a million dollars yeah. 
to the to, to charity with, within with hours of the event happening. He was just stepped right up and gave a million dollars to charity. I mean, that's and that was in a year where he was making sixteen million dollars for playing basketball. So this is you know it's not it's not just um, you know a drop in the bucket. Um, and so it's kind of all these contradicting images of who Durant is as a character in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know he is the Oklahoma City Thunder. He is. Yeah. He's been with the franchise since they moved from Seattle. Yep. He really came into his own in Oklahoma City. Yep. I mean, it just it's it's it feels very much like the end of an era. Yeah. Um, for them, even and, if even if he does go back in a year. Well, actually, if he goes back in a year, I feel like we'll walk all of this back and say, you know, we we knew that he was loyal to Oklahoma. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it'll he'll still if he goes back to Oklahoma in a year, he'll still have some stank on him because of what happened. Um, but it's definitely uh, something else I've been thinking about as I read about this is it's also an indictment of small market teams. You know, where we, I think, uh, you know, as you just said, Kevin Durant has been with Oklahoma City since the very beginning. And since the very beginning, Kevin Durant's ascension has sort of paralleled the ascension of Oklahoma City as a powerhouse in the Western Conference. And um, as I read in some of these articles, you're going to see Oklahoma City I mean, if they can't keep Russell Westbrook, which in my mind, now that Durant's gone, this is a perfect opportunity to throw everything in the kitchen sink at Russell Westbrook. I mean, if I was Sam Presti, I'd be giving him my children to stay with the franchise at this point. And because if Russell Westbrook leaves, how do I know that the Oklahoma City Thunder ain't going to turn into the New Orleans Pelicans all over again? A small market team that's struggling to get any superstars or any assets and is wallowing in, you know, lottery, you know, uh, purgatory for the next five or ten years. I mean, that could be happening if Westbrook and Durant, you know, end up leaving over the next year. I mean, is 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 Westbrook staying on the team this year? Jonathan, do you think Westbrook's on the team this year? I, um... I think he is. I mean, I guess the, for me, the question is this. If he, okay. If, well, actually, do we want to jump into the Westbrook question and come back to Durant? Because I think the Westbrook question and the, what the Thunder do question is a pretty juicy conversation. Let's let's talk about Westbrook in relation to Durant right now. I want immediate okay. thoughts of, like, what is what are the Thunder going to do right now now that Durant has walked out the door less okay. than a week later? If you are Presty and you go to Westbrook and you say, like, hey, we want to extend you, and Westbrook says, I don't want an extension, and we and you say to Westbrook, do you, are, do you want to come back? And Westbrook says, I want to play out the season. My first choice is to come back, but I don't know. It's going to depend on how the season goes. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you trade him? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think in that situation, you got to trade him because it's the only surefire way to make sure you get anything back in return. Um, what, Sam, what, I, Sam, what do you think of that? Um, I think I, I think you would have to trade him. Um, I think you can't trade him unless you know he's going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So even if, if there's a chance, if he says, I, I want to play out the year, but I do, I'm leaning towards staying, you still think you have to keep him. You're not getting a top five player back. Mm. And as we've seen from teams that that bottom out and collect the draft picks, and, you know, Philadelphia and Boston, and I guess you could put the Orlando Magic in there, and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the Timberwolves, like, you know, the Timberwolves got Wiggins in town. 
but I feel like if it's just a 50% chance of a top five guy, you you have to say that that, that, that is worth it. You might lose him for nothing, but what are you going to trade him for? Mm-hmm. You know, who, who's the best player you can get back? I mean, the, the best collection... The best case scenario is you get a whole bunch of guys. It's essentially like a Charles Barkley deal where you trade them and you just get, you know, volume versus, you know, you get quantity over quality. Right. And, you know, we don't spend a lot of time talking about the Sixers teams of the late mid and late 90s. You know, <laughs> no, we don't. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I think if there's a, he's a top five guy. Now, this is Kevin Love, who's like top 10 or top 15, and who said, like, yeah, I'm out of here. But yes, you trade that guy. Mm-hmm. If it's DeMarcus Cousins and you're not close to competing and he's like, yeah, I don't want to be here, you trade Cousins. But you know, I mean, this is the same thing. I mean, if you could t- take, go back to Cleveland and you're Cleveland in 2009 and LeBron's saying, like, no, I'm going to enter free agency in 2010, I don't think Cleveland regrets not trading him. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like he's a top – I mean, no, LeBron was the MVP, so that's a level up on Westbrook. But I just think with, with the level of his talent, and his competitiveness, and the idea that he could be the NBA's most popular player. He's the one who stayed. Mm-hmm. When LeBron changes teams, and, you know, he could, he could be the next Dirk, mm-hmm. the next Duncan, the next Pierce. Like, I stayed. And um, I already think one of the most interesting stories of this coming NBA season is how good the Thunder are and watching the, you know, watching the last gunslinger in Oklahoma City. Ibaka's gone. Yep. Durant's gone. Harden's been gone. You know, it's it's, just, it's Westbrook and Nick Collison. It's almost a now. little bit of an encore of last season when Durant was hurt and Westbrook essentially made a a pretty impressive MVP campaign by himself and nearly dragged the Thunder into the playoffs on his back. Um. I mean, we could be seeing that again. You could be seeing, you know, th- this could truly be the ascension of Russell Westbrook now that he's got no one else in his way. Um, right. You know, and, this you act- know, people say it's like you can't, you can't let him walk for nothing. It's like, well, can you trade him for for a- for um, anything that's worth a- it? Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, and Brooklyn's 2018 pick no. or whatever. It's like, oh, okay. Well, that now that now okay, we're a lottery team and we have extra picks and we might rebuild. I, I don't know. Was it someone? Who's been with the franchise that long? Is that popular as a player? Is that popular among the fan base? I, I unless I knew he was going, I would say like, "Hey, we're going to build a team around you." And the, the next big free agent who comes on the market, they come here because mm-hmm. we're going to be the team that can beat Golden State. Mm-hmm. You know, until Minnesota is ready with those young guys, um, until Tony Parker's contract comes off the books and the Spurs can try to reload. Mm-hmm. With younger guys around Kawhi and Aldridge until you know, whoever else in the West, you know, the, the, I feel like the Clippers are on the decline. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel like the, the, the Grizzlies are sort of, I think they'll be better, but you know what I mean? So I think you try to sell him on like there's whoever's available next summer. We're going to be the top destination. Yeah. Just playing with you and playing with Adams and playing with some of these younger role players is going to be the most attractive destination to go at Golden State. Yeah, that's you a, try to sell them on that. That's a very good point because it's hard to sell them on other teams, you know, because you have to say, hey, listen, you got to go either build a team, you got to build a, a team from scratch with a whole bunch of new guys, 
or you got to go to another team and, and be second fiddle again, or at least be sharing the spotlight with somebody again. I'm sure, you know, Durant and Westbrook made a lot of magic happen, but I think, and this kind of, I want to bring this back to Durant again, because I think this speaks again about Durant, which is, you know, who was the superstar in that team? And I think part of the issue was there was a sense that Durant always kind of felt like he was the second option. I mean, just because of the the nature of Westbrook's play. Um, and right, and, and I don't know, I've read things that said that Durant felt that way, and that was a factor. Yeah. That he felt like he didn't get the touches. He felt like the off, there, there was no offense. You know, no one was getting easy shots. They were just relying on the two of them to create. But a lot of the stuff I heard or read about Durant and what he said seemed kind of contradictory. Yeah. I mean, again, going back to what Sam said about how he plays everything close to the chest, like I think in some regard we still really had no idea what he was thinking. You know, who really knows whether he likes Russell Westbrook or not? I mean, he can say whatever he wants to the press. We really don't know the story. Yeah, I don't. I think it's really tough to – I don't think we'll ever really understand the, their relationship. Yeah. Um, because there, there's just... There's, I don't know if Durant felt like he was the second option. I think he was still clearly the more popular player. Mm-hmm. He was the more decorated player. And most people, I think, would know that he is a, a more efficient player. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, think you, I think you watch enough... Russell, I mean, the Russell Westbrook play that I think of first and foremost is when he doesn't get a, a foul call that he wants, or he turns the ball over and he's mad at the ref and he immediately goes and and fouls. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just I think that I I think that their relationship is something that we're going to be talking about for a long time. And I, don't, I don't think we'll ever really, even if they both write. You know, like tell-all autobiographies, yeah. juicy stories. I think I think we're still we'll still be sitting here wondering what it was like in that locker room between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And and getting back to what you do with Westbrook, I think I think that trading him makes a lot of sense. And I don't know what does their cap situation look like. I mean, obviously Durant off the books, um, but I think Cantor is what the highest played paid player on that team now, right? Here, I'm, yeah, you, Cantor and Westbrook are both at a max, and I think their cap is probably pretty low because a lot of their role players are on rookie contract. I yeah. think Robertson's on a rookie contract, but Depot is, Adams still is, although he's due a raise. Um, you know, next year they're going to have to raise Adams. You know, you know to keep him, he'll, he'll be a max player. Yeah, um, it's. I, I, I think, no, they've, they've got a I, fair amount of cap flexibility right now. Uh, John, I'm looking at a realgm.com and I mean Russell Westbrook commands most of the salary Ennis Cantor is up there but after that there's a major drop off you know Steven Adams is on a cheap deal Robertson's on a cheap deal yeah there's a lot of flexibility on that cap so I just think it would be extraordinarily difficult to get the next big free agent to come in and say hey you know we, we had Durant he left but you can come play with Russell Westbrook and Ennis Cantor and Stephen Adams. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that I think that their their path to being a contender again is easier if they move Westbrook. Mm-hmm. And that sounds crazy, but that's I, that's how I see it. Mm-hmm. I feel like they've got the guard and they've got the big, and they they just need the wing. And 
they, I feel like, you know, they're a, a, you know, a good wing away from being right there with the Clippers Mm -hmm. and the Grizzlies. And that's top four in the West. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think when when we've been looking at like where, where could superstars go, we always talk about Houston. We also talk about Boston. And I, I mean, I feel like the Thunder are closer than those teams. Yeah. And so, I mean, Horford is signed with Boston. Yeah. Now, if Horford had a do-over, I mean, maybe he wanted to stay East, and maybe he liked Ainge and Stevens. But, and maybe he's closer to a title East no matter what because it's East. But if Horford had a do-over, don't, wouldn't he look at Oklahoma City with his cap space? If Chandler Parsons had a do-over? Yeah, I was going to say, Chandler Parsons on Oklahoma City sounds great now. And so I, I feel like, you know, they're, they're a player away from being, uh, I mean, still... I mean, I, kind of, I guess I feel like they're sort of like Boston, right? Like, Boston's a player away from being outside of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But, like, maybe Cleveland's next competitor. Mm-hmm. And when you're that close, maybe there's an extra signing. Maybe there's a trade that knocks loose. Maybe you get a, a Kawhi Leonard kind of player at pick 15. Or, I mean, I mean that's an extreme example. I mean, the blow-it-up thing, just... It, it's kind of like you've got one of the best. You've got Westbrook, I would say, is one of the top five players in the league. You've got him. Why on earth would you do anything to let him go unless he, like, forced your hand? Right. I mean, I don't, like, I don't feel like this is, like, Chicago. We had, like, Jimmy Butler, Derrick Rose, Noah Gasol, but, like, it clearly wasn't going to happen. And mm-hmm. so it's like, all right, let's just cash the chips and let these guys go. I, th- I think they'll be a playoff team. Um... Yeah, I would. I think I would follow the Dallas model of like, hey, as long as we're making the playoffs, maybe one year we get lucky with a free agent signing or a trade. Maybe one year we get lucky with injuries. And Are just, we sure they're going to make the playoffs? No. I, I, I think that is a, a huge question. And if you're not making the playoffs, I and. You know, the, the Jazz are on the rise, and you're a few years away from the Timberwolves maybe getting into, into the conversation. You know, the Pelicans missed the playoffs because of a lot of injuries. They could be back in the playoffs. That's another team. Yeah, they're also crowded in the West. Yeah. There's no, certainly no, I don't think it's a guarantee that they make the playoffs. Right. And so if, you, if you're not, so I, I would agree with you if, you if you think, you know, we've got our dirt in Westbrook and we're going to win you know, between 45 and 55 games every year, and then one year it'll break right and we'll, you know, win a title, then maybe it's your whole long deal. But I just think, I think it's a lot. I think they're farther than that. And I think, you know, I, I'm a huge Westbrook fan, but I think it's, it's, it's going to be hard to sell a free agent on coming and playing next to him. Mm. Because, because they, you know, I think they had, I, I always see people making fun of how, you know, um, how they didn't run an offense last year. And that, that might be true, but they were also, I think, the fourth or fifth best offense in the league. Mm. So, you know, they – right. And that was with one of the most efficient shooters in the league playing next to Westbrook. So I, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. Okay. And I don't know what Westbrook looks like. Two years ago, with Westbrook missing maybe a chunk of the season and Durant missing almost all of the season – um, they they missed the playoffs, but they won 45 games. So now Westbrook's two years older. Adams is two years better. They're going to have Cantor from the you know they traded for Cantor that season. They're going to have Oladipo and Roberson instead of 
I don't even know who they had as their wings two years ago. Does it so matter anymore? That, <laughs> if we're going to say that team two years ago was a 45-win team, and 45 wins would have made the playoffs last year. You're right, um, yeah. And so I, I think it's, it's definitely not a guarantee. And if Westbrook gets injured, even for 10 games or 15 games, it's, it's looking really dicey. Um, but I think I would count on them. I mean, let's, we have so much to talk about Durant. I don't want to start going predicting wins for the Memphis Grizzlies and the Houston Rockets right. and things like that. Anyway, um, but we can say that that's a preseason over-under win total kind of podcast. We don't have to and that's going to be a great podcast. Well, what we, what we should it. really think about is, is Kevin Durant on the Golden State Warriors, can they win the championship like that? Or is it going to be something which... Is that, they how, can't okay. not win the championship. <laughs> I agree. And, and they cannot not win the championship. I want to jump in here because this is we, we talked about the other kind of super teams that have been formed, and you mentioned... The 08 Celtics, yep. or the, you know, formed in 07, but the 08 Celtics, and that, that Lakers team with Dwight and Steve Nash and Powell and Kobe. But this team is is closer to the Celtics because... They're all in their prime. At, they're even younger. I mean, these guys are all, they're all young. In their, they're all in their prime, and more importantly... Well, actually, I don't know about more important. Kevin Durant in his prime is probably always the most important thing about the Kevin Durant signing, but... And he may be the unanimous MVP. Right. I think I mean, the biggest thing the biggest thing here is they can all they can all shoot. Yeah. If you look at that Celtics team, you've got Ray Allen and Paul Pierce, and you've got Kevin Garnett, who, aside from Dirk, might be the best jump shooting power forward in the history of the league. Mm. And so you've got three guys who are historically good shooters and Rondo. And so if you look at what, I mean, if we were drafting just three-point shooters, Steph would probably go first overall, Clay or Kevin Durant would go second, and whoever didn't go second would go third. We have the three best shooters in the league on the same team. It's, a, so little, it's a little unfair. Now that Draymond, Clay, and Durant are all excellent defenders. I mean, that's yes. when, I think you run into trouble when you get to um, Pierce, Wade, LeBron, Gary Payton, Kobe types to to use some examples of guys who have been on these super teams who who pound the ball, um, you know, like when you need the ball in your hands, like Wade and LeBron. Then it's like, well, okay, they're sort of they're a little bit canceling out what the other one does well because there's only one ball. But shooting and defense um, and rebounding, like you can just keep adding. It just keeps adding up to infinity. I feel like um, so. Those are all things that I think make this different. All right, I'm going to pivot. I'm going to pivot, guys. We've talked a lot about Kevin Durant. I think there's a lot of belief that everything, if you know, if this fairy tale plays out the way it should, Kevin Durant will be happy playing with his new teammates. He won't have an issue not being the face of the franchise. If anything, Kevin Durant's decision to go to the Warriors is is sort of just uh, in you know reiterating and and reinforcing the fact that he doesn't need to be the face of a team or he need, or he doesn't need to be quote the man. Um, and you know, there's a hope or a belief that everything will play out. They'll win a title, and then he doesn't have to sort of deal with any of those critics anymore about him not winning a championship. Um, but let's shift away from Kevin Durant. He was clearly the face of this entire NBA free agency. But something which I want to come back to, which was a team that I thought did some interesting moves, was the Grizzlies. So we started off this show by talking about how the Grizzlies 
had signed Mike Conley to the biggest deal in NBA history, five years, $153 million. Um, they also went out and committed big money to Chandler Parsons, which I really like Chandler Parsons. I think he had a couple of forgettable years in Dallas just because of, you know, it was an injury. He got hit by the injury bug. It was unfortunate. The salary cap blossomed. Dallas couldn't keep him. Bada-bing, bada-boom, he's in Memphis. Um, but after seeing Memphis sort of they didn't do a full tank last year, but after they had as many injuries as they had, they clearly were trading away some assets, and it looked like they they were kind of dipping into a little, a little mini rebuild. Right off the bat, Sam, I ask you this question. Do you see the Grizzlies improving with the addition of Parsons and the extension of Conley and being able to thrive for the next two or three years in this league as a powerhouse in the Western Conference or do you feel that them them having Gasol and uh, Zebo kind of puts them sort of as an older style team that's not ready to go into the NBA future? What do you think, Sam, about the Grizzlies coming up? I I definitely think that they are going to improve. Um, and I'm gonna say, I'm like like with the Kevin Durant talk. I'm gonna throw out a blanket. Let's assume everyone's healthy. Okay. I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to hedge. Anyway, we, we actually don't have to throw that out with the Warriors because they could actually have one of their guys die and still win the title. <laughs> that's how much better they are than everyone. <laughs> back to the Grizzlies. Right. Back to Draymond the, Green was transported to another dimension, <laughs> but the Warriors are still winning. That, actually, they, they could probably play basketball with whoever they meet in another dimension. But, that's, <laughs> um, but the, the thing with the Grizzlies is I think that I think they'll be a lot better. I don't know about a lot. They, they will definitely be better, assuming everyone's healthy. You know, they took two games off of the Warriors, um, not last, I guess, two years ago now, mm-hmm. uh, the, the 2015 title run. Um, they took two games off of the Warriors then, and the Warriors solved it by putting Andrew Bogut on Tony Allen. Mm. And so now I'm wondering if they can avoid that situation by going to Chandler Parsons with teams that can punish them for playing a non-shooter mm. in, in Tony Allen. And so if they can do that, then I think that solves one of their big problems. Um, and I also wonder if if Zebo is interested in potentially playing a six-man role, if they have to go small oh, and, they I like play, and if they can't play both of those guys. Um, Randolph, your backup center. Yeah. Behind Gasol. I like it. I like that. Yeah, John, Jonathan, what do you think about the Grizzlies? I mean, do you, that's that's a pretty good point, Sam. I mean, do you think, Jonathan, do you think the Grizzlies are, are looking, are they trending upward this season? I'm with Sam on this one. I think, you know, Sam mentioned that they were up to one on Golden State in 15 and 14. They took the Thunder to seven. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Zach Randolph was suspended uh, in game seven and mm-hmm. punched Stephen Adams in the face or something. Um, and so this is a team that I always think of, you know, when when they all those guys were together, they were always neck and neck with the Clippers. Mm. Right? You, you know what I mean? Like they had all those close series when we had Randolph, Gasol, and Conley, and they're going up against you know Chris Paul and DeAndre and Blake, and those those nucleuses were together. It was always very very close. And I think that will be. I, I mean, that's what I see them. But if the the Warriors are clearly first, I think the Spurs are still second, although that's mostly just trust in the infrastructure and Kawhi and Pop. Um, and then I feel like, you know, the, the Clippers and the Grizzlies are sort of like neck and neck for three 
helps for me mm-hmm. if if they get seventy games out of uh, out of Parsons and there's there aren't you know injuries again to Conley and Gasol and do they have like another shooting wing? What's the rest of their team look like? Who the Grizzlies? Yeah. Here, um, here I'll look it up. They right traded now. Courtney Lee. I think he's actually very much the type of player they can. I think I think they did not pick up Lance Stevenson's player option. So he's no, out. they didn't. He is That's he is not there anymore. <laughs> but they could sign him. Yes, could sign him. There, I, um, I think so. they still have Vince Carter under contract. They still got. That's I right. think they're talking about Matt Barnes is coming back as well. Um, that might be about it. They've got some wiggle room there. I mean, I think that's sort of the thing. They can find one more, sort of like Sam's talking about it, they can find one more shooting perimeter player to play in sort of a small shooting lineup if Allen is coming off the bench or they need to hide Allen. Or if they can find one, you know, a younger Matt Barnes, I guess, you know, sort of a, a swing forward to to do that, then I think that they could be a dangerous team. And, if, and so, yeah, I would put them very tentatively in the top four of the West. Not sure how all the teams are going to shake out. Wow. But I, I've always liked them. I always think that they're they're overlooked because you know they're not going to win the championship. Yeah. Small market um, team. We feel like, right, we feel like there's a chance that the Clippers put it together. Um, you know what I mean? We feel like there's a chance that, you know, Oklahoma City will put it together, which they did last year and they were very, very close last year. Um, but, uh, I feel like since we know that, 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 that the Grizzlies don't have that ceiling, they're easy to overlook. Mm-hmm. But even though they don't have the, that ceiling, I feel like it's not unreasonable to think of them as being a three-seed or a four-seed. Right. And, and, I mean, if they have they a full season a with a healthy roster, they can come and they can come back and make some noise. They can do what the Thunder did this year. They Actually, everybody was healthy, and they were competitive again. Right. So, yeah, I see them as an upward trend, and I have more faith in them than Houston or Dallas or Portland or, I guess, any of the other sort of Western mm-hmm. middle-class Western Conference teams. Now, um... I, I would agree. Go um, ahead. There's a ch- I mean, isn't there a chance that... I, I guess there's a chance that um, we see 2014-15 uh, James Harden instead of 2015-16 James Harden, in which case I think that seems pretty interesting. But, yeah, I, I think that... I think that maybe including them in that next group after the the Warriors would would be accurate. I think it's more yeah. top five than top four if we get the Houston team. We think we might. Right. I I I say that's that's of course possible. I think 2015 Houston was an anomaly. I think all of those teams from you know they 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 are in two seed because they won a division tiebreaker. Um, and the Clippers, I feel like we're just exhausted from playing the Spurs and and choked because of their own choking demons. But I, I feel like last year's Grizzlies being a first round walkover was an anomaly because yeah. of injuries. And last and the the conference finals rocket, I at this point I feel like were an anomaly. Yeah, I got to agree yeah. that that was anomalous. The Rockets should not have been in the conference finals two years ago. That was just a joke. But Sam, I mean, was right. You know, like Harden was incredible, and his stats last year were also incredible. And so, it we, Sam's right to say that we, um, Sam Hopkins, that is, is right to say that I think we can't just write them off. I mean, they have, they have to be sort of kept in that group. Yeah, and I think that if you, if I compare them to 
you know, if we're if we're trying to tier the West and we're saying, okay, Warriors and then uh, Spurs, Clippers, Grizzlies, I think the Rockets are closer to that group than they are to Mavericks, Trailblazers, Jazz, Pelican. Mm. I guess. Mm. That's that's the only, that's really all I'm trying to make. I'm not I'm not yeah. you know, picking them up as a as a dark horse in the West or anything. Well, here, let me let me pivot this. Let's. Uh, this is. I wanted your thoughts on the Grizzlies because I think the Grizzlies are a sneaky good team. They always have been. I like the moves they made. Yeah. I I kind of thought that they would not be making as much uh, of a splash in free agency as they had. I certainly did not think Parsons was going to go there. Uh, but let's pivot to the Eastern Conference. One of the teams in the Eastern Conference that has kind of uh, really had some drama surrounding it and ha- has had some interesting signings, and I would like your thoughts on this. Uh, Jonathan, I want to ask you about the Miami Heat. So it sounds like Hassan Whiteside is committed to coming back, and they are still sort of going in this back-and-forth tug-of-war with Dwayne Wade. Give me your thoughts right now on what the Heat have done so far, and also, do you think that they're going to seal the deal with Dwayne Wade? I think Wade will resign. I think there's something that's happened there where Wade hasn't gotten enough attention or the franchise has not properly appreciated him. I, I mean, I forget who said this. It's like someone on talk radio last year about, you know, like Wade always took the pay cuts. I don't find that an argument compelling, a compelling argument in Wade's favor. Like, you cut salary to win championships. That's the trade off. You know what I mean? Like, so it's not like, okay, you, you played under market value when you were 29 and 30. That doesn't, to me, mean you get that money back when you're 34. Mm-hmm. Is, is my feeling about it. Um, I think Wade will end up signing there. I think he wants to be a one franchise guy. I don't think he wants to play for the Bucks or the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't. He's not like like maybe he'll, like maybe he's 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 you know he's grandstanding. He's he's essentially saying I'm calling chicken on you. Are you going to give me the money or do I have to go talk with Jason Kidd in Milwaukee? Um. And, yeah. And so I I I, I can't see that happening. Although I, I couldn't see Durant leaving. I mean, don't. It's hard to get excited about the Heat, right? I mean, you don't know if Bosch is going to play. Yeah, the Bosch question is is huge. If Bosch plays, and you have Whiteside, Bosch, Wade, Drogic, and uh, another wing, like that, doesn't that still feel like forty-eight wins, fifty wins? Yeah, and yeah. and and is you're that team like going to win? Like, is that team going to get to the conference finals? I mean, they might. I mean. I, I could see them beating Toronto. Well, they could have beat Toronto this year. Yeah. That was very close. Yeah. But they could get to the conference. If they're on the other side of the bracket from Cleveland and things fall right, they could be in the conference finals. Just like the Rockets were in the conference finals. Yeah. Just like the Grizzlies were in the conference finals. But that doesn't mean they're a top four NBA team. Um, and I say, Sam. Like, I think right now I would have, I'd give a slight edge to Boston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'd give That's an right. edge to Toronto. So, I mean, I guess I haven't third or fourth. Sam, I want to hear your thoughts about Miami. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think what's going on, and this is totally conjecture. I have I have not been following the Heat as close as actually most teams uh, this offseason. I think what's going on is Dwayne Wade doesn't think they're going to compete, and I think he wants a Kobe contract. I think he says, pay me, we're not making the finals, and if we do, we're getting outscored by 50 points a game to the Golden State Super Team. Mm-hmm. So I think he's 
I think he's saying, you know, give me the Kobe two years, fifty million, whatever. I mean, I think that's a Denver offer. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that maybe Pat Riley thinks that we could that that they could use these last few years of ways to continue building for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was really impressed with what Pat Riley did following LeBron leaving. Um, he didn't end up panning out, but I really liked um, getting Josh McRoberts. I mean, I guess that was before LeBron left, but I, I really liked that pickup. I really liked the um, the Dragic trade. I liked Lou Deng coming to the team. I thought that was a great pickup. Yeah, so I so I think maybe Pat Riley have a great coach. Couple, yeah, I think that there might be. He, he thinks there are a few more first team moves left, and Dwayne Wade doesn't. But I don't know. It's tough because. Dwayne Wade has a, a great reputation as a, uh, a fierce competitor, although I guess Kobe did too. I'm going to draw that comparison. I mean, he's, um, he's a show-me-the-money guy. He is straight up Jerry Maguire. Show me the money! <laughs> yeah, so I, so I think that might be happening. And I, I would put them... I, would definitely, I definitely think that they're third or fourth in the East. I really like um, Horford to Boston. Yeah. Um... I, I think that, you know, Horford's a, a year removed from being the best or second-best player on a 60-win team. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, I think that's pretty – I like that pickup. Um, so I think they're going to be really good. I think Toronto – it's tough to say. Um, but I think they'll probably be a little bit better. It depends on Valanciunas if he can defend. Yeah, um, and I, I, I feel like we're going to see the now, same thing like from to Toronto all over again this season. Yeah. No, they, I, they played some really ugly basketball. And in fact, they played a lot of ugly basketball against Miami. And I think, you know, it all comes down to if Bosch is healthy. I think yeah. that's really it. Yeah, if Bosch is playing in that playoff series, I think the, the result would have been very different this year. Um. You know, Sam, yeah. let's stay with the Celtics. We've talked a little bit about Boston, Horford coming to Boston. Uh, you mentioned that you like that. Tell me a little bit more about, do you feel that this is sort of the the first big free agent that kind of puts them on the level of legitimacy? I think Boston's been flirting with legitimacy the last couple of seasons. Do you feel like they're there now, Sam? Ooh, that's, that's a tough question. I guess it's... It's by legitimacy. Do I think that they can win an Eastern Conference championship? Mm. I don't think so. I think it would take something extraordinary to happen for Cleveland to not win. Um, But I do think that, yeah, I think that they're clearly a step above where they were. I mean, they were were the Bucks Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, the Pelicans from last year. The team that's made the playoffs, so they're, they're, yes, technically a playoff team, but they're not a contender. Yeah. No one's thinking that they're a contender. You know, my girlfriend is from the Boston area, and I texted her brother um, when they signed Horford to say congrats on Horford, and his response was basically, I like the signing, now I think we have a shot at Durant. And that was obviously before Durant signed, but I think right. that was, you know, Jonathan mentioned when that happened that he thought that was the appropriate response from a Boston fan. They're not competing, but they're now competing for the free agent. Yeah. You know, it looks like it's a good destination Apparently, Brad Stevens is the greatest coach since Popovich. No, you know, I, I hear I that too. Watch enough tape to know, but he's got a great reputation. And when you look at a player that's as talented at doing so many different things as Horford is, I think that you know, paired with a coach like that, maybe maybe they can do great stuff. Or but I don't, I don't think. Go ahead. 
I was going to say, not just the free agent trade, but the, or the free, agent, free agent signing, but the midseason trade. So, the, you know, if the Thunder end up having to move Westbrook or if um, DeMarcus Cousins is going to get traded, you know, they are now like, okay, we already have Horford. We already have all the role players. If we, bring in, if we can trade another superstar here, we're confident in our ability to keep him. Mm. Or Westbrook, if he's traded, might agree, you know, um, I mean, it's not, it's not legal within rules to do this, but him and his agent might send signals to Boston like, yeah, if you trade for us, we'll give you at least one more year. And like Chris Paul, when he went to the Clippers, you know, they traded for him, and he, I think, like tacked another year on his contract. A little unspoken trade. agreement like, hey, if this goes down, we'll make sure it happens this way. Right. And so I think, yeah, Horford gives him a little gravity. Okay, someone might someone might look there in free agency, or the Celtics might feel like they have enough legitimacy to trade for one of those kinds of guys. We, if I were picking Eastern Conference champions. I pick Cleveland first, and I pick Boston second. Wow! Not because I think they're better than Toronto, but because if someone look, I don't think Toronto's beating Cleveland, and I don't think they're making the trade to put them over the top. Right. Boston's definitely not beating Cleveland, but of the next tier of teams, I think they're the most likely to get. DeMarcus Cousins, or um, or Westbrook if he gets traded, or who, whoever whoever is the guy this year that might get on the block. You know, like Dwight Howard was on the block in the middle of the season. Kevin Love has been on the you know. I mean, technically Blake so, Griffin was on the trading block too. Yeah, yeah. So maybe Blake. Like maybe they get Blake. I mean, that's wow. I think one of the big wild cards is that. If Chris Paul gets injured, or DeAndre Jordan gets injured, or Blake gets injured, if two of those guys get injured, the Clippers aren't making the playoffs, and I think they will to trade someone. And it seems like the person who they trade is, is Blake Griffin. Yeah. It's, so, it's, like, that's, that's possible that the Clippers are looking at the Warriors and they're like, hey, we're not going to beat these guys. And by the time their windows close, Chris Paul's 34. Yeah. So, like, that's it's not happening with this nucleus. And maybe they do sort of what Sam was saying with Westbrook, is saying, okay, okay, we got to we got to trade for pieces. So I think the Horford trade, like Sam said, puts Boston in a position where that's not implausible that the next superstar who moves, moves there. Mm. You know, because I'm sitting here thinking, pick, so. if Horford goes to Boston, it's like, you know, how far are they? Are they one big trade from, from, from challenging Cleveland for the Eastern Conference title. They could be. I mean, I like Horford. Like, does, is Boston better than Atlanta now? Like, are we at that point? Yes, I think so. Sam, what do you think? I think so. I... You got to see it, though. Yeah, I got to see it. Especially with, because both teams are now shook up. Because we've got Dwight in Atlanta. And I, I don't know, can Schroeder be you know, 85% of T. And if so, then I think that that team is still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I, I think that it's crazy because that team was so good two years ago. And then the past year, they, they fell off. And really, if you, at least from when I was watching Atlanta, it seemed like what, what it was was just Kyle Corbett didn't have a stroke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if those are falling, it makes their offense so much easier. Um, it makes the offense so much smoother. Um, and makes it so much easier for everyone else in that offense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I think that the Teague Schroeder stuff. I think that um, Schroeder might be a, a little bit overrated. You know, the stuff he does well, I think, works when you're playing 25 minutes a game off the bench. Right. It might be harder to do that for 
35 minutes a game, 40 minutes a game. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, I, I would put them behind those, definitely those first two or three teams, mm-hmm. and then may, maybe behind Miami, too. Mm-hmm. I'd put them behind Charlotte. Wow. I mean, I don't know. That's that's saying a lot about Charlotte. I mean, they opened up the checkbook for Batum. I kind of am, I'm sitting here now saying, why did Portland move Batum? He, I mean, was it just an injury? I mean, what happened? No, they they were doing the same thing. It's like, hey, it's not going to happen, and they got back. We might as well. They were like, basically, they were like, hey, let's put together. Like, what's the point of having? I mean, I don't think they thought they'd be the four seed. No, no, they. Okay, let's put together a nucleus of twenty-two to twenty-four-year-olds. And see what and have that group just throw a bunch on the wall and see what sticks. Right, and then they still made the they still made the playoffs and got the got the or they got the five seed. I guess the Clippers well, were the four. Yeah, and I and I would I think I would put Charlotte behind Atlanta. I they lost um, Al Jefferson, they lost uh, Jeremy Lin, and I don't think they added anyone. No, they and they right locked after. up Batum. They. They locked up Marvin Williams, but you're right. I don't. I don't think that they have really added anybody else. Right, but they lost a bench player, and their starters are young. Yeah, like Kemba could be better. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good and point. He and Zeller could be better, and you just really got the impression from how the two and Marvin Williams talked about the team. They they loved what was going on there. They loved Clifford's coaching. Yeah, Clifford, great coach. With Miami went seven, didn't it? Uh, yeah, it definitely yeah, went to seven games. Six. Okay, and so like they were, I mean, all those teams, and I guess we can account for injuries and say like, well, if Bosch is back, or if, um, you know, whoever else is back, but I feel like Atlanta got worse. I think Warford's better than Howard, and I think Teague is better than Schroeder. Yeah. So, and they, and they didn't add anyone. I mean, uh, well, they, I mean, they added Howard, but that's, you know, if you account for Horford being better. So, they were, you know, a 48-win team. I think all those teams won 48 games. I could see Charlotte being a couple wins better and Atlanta being a couple wins worse. And I think that's, yeah, that's the tricky thing with this Atlanta team because this Atlanta team, well, not this one that's walking in the next season, but the one that they just kind of broke up, um, they were a 48-win team, but they were also a 60-win team. Yeah, I know. And so it's like, which Atlanta do we think was closer? Yeah. Um, You know, a 60-win team that got swept by Cleveland, but the team that got swept by Cleveland had a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to sort of figure out. I I could see Millsap as being a guy who gets traded. Ooh. If Atlanta comes out and they're 500, and they're like, hey, there's no point in getting the seven or eight seed and getting crushed by Cleveland. Like Millsap is under contract this year. I think it's a player option next year, maybe not. And his contract's pretty reasonable and, and very reasonable to do cap. And I, I mean, Boston, I think, can make a move for him. Toronto can make a move for him. Maybe Oklahoma City. If Oklahoma City is looking at the five or the four seed in the West, maybe they make a move for him. I don't know what those guys, what those teams have to trade. It's tough. I, I like Charlotte. I think Clifford's a really good coach. They have a lot of young players. They have a lot of shooting. They added Marco Bellinelli. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, you're right. There's an addition. Belly. You're right. No, they're coming for the Eastern Conference title. I forgot about. I forgot about Belly. All right, now listen. I'm going to pivot one more time because uh, I know we're we're getting we're almost running out of time. I want to make the most of it. Uh, before I lose you guys, I definitely want to talk about the Spurs real quick. Favorite team of the Hopkins brothers, or at least, yeah. uh, or at least, yep. of, Sam. Do you agree? Are you a fan of the Spurs? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. 
right off the bat, we don't need to go on. We, listen, I'm sure we could we could do an entire podcast on the Spurs, but let's just talk right off the bat off some of the free agency moves. So Pau Gasol is coming. What do you think, Sam? Tell me. Okay, I'm, I I like Pau Gasol, but I'm also really worried that he was he's a good player that does exactly the stuff that the Spurs don't need. To add. Like they just—they're um, moving away from Diaw. I believe it's confirmed they, they've traded him to the Jazz, and you're sort of yeah. like lo- losing Diaw and gaining Gasol. You're not a fan of that, right? Like I think I think Gasol's an upgrade on Diaw, but if you look at where the wheels fell off in the Oklahoma City series, it's not because the Spurs lacked. Um, well, actually, David West and and Diaw both played pretty poorly. So maybe if you do have Pau Gasol. That helps, but I think I, he's not as athletic as I would have liked to pick up. I, I think that the Spurs did need to pick up a big, if you know, with David West leaving, and it seems like Pop has thinks the ship has sailed with Dio. I'll let Jonathan jump in on that because Jonathan has some theories as to what what happened with Popovich and Dio. Um, but yeah, I, I like the Thomas Hall signing. I would have liked the Spurs to add. Some some more athleticism on the wing, someone off the bench who could, you know, fill Danny Green's shoes as a as a secondary defender to Kawhi. Because if you think about, um, you know, Ginobili coming in for Duncan or Patty coming in for Patty Mills, that is coming in for Tony, we're losing a lot of athleticism in, in that shift, and I, so that's that's concerning. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the, I like this all. I'm not extremely optimistic, but I, I part of that's from what the Warriors are going to do. Jonathan, uh, tell me what you think. Where do we start? Teams. Okay, why Gasol makes sense as a spur? He's smart. He passes well, and he's skilled. Great power. I do love that that they're adding that. Right. Um, how he doesn't fit in as a spur, he seems to not hustle. He mm. seems to he seems to not box out. Mm-hmm. He seems to not compete. Yeah, sometimes. he can be a defensive and, liability. That is certainly something that's come up in Chicago. And I do worry a little bit that you know their competitors, you know, real competitors, Duncan, Ginobili, Kawhi are not scaring. Mm. They might not win, but they are not scaring. And, I mean, Ginobili will still be there, but he's, I think, a very limited role player at this point in his career. It looks like Duncan is retiring. Um, and and so, Aldridge and Gasol just don't really seem to have the same dog in them. Right. That those other guys do. I mean, not to get into just, like, cliche character profile of guys. But Sam's right about the athleticism. I mean, sort of like Sam was talking about Randolph and Gasol. It's like, you know, the best Spurs lineup probably has Gasol going out pretty early in the first quarter and coming back in to replace Aldridge. Mm-hmm. And I, I would have liked, I mean, they're, they're signing some of their European stash draft picks. So who knows if those guys contribute, uh, what they contribute, if they contribute at all. But I, I would also think that Finding another combo forward, athletic combo forward, so that you could play small with 
Kawhi as the power forward mm-hmm. and have someone to come off the bench. Maybe they think Jonathan Simmons could be that guy. I mean, I've, I've, they, the I think they season. feel very positive about Jonathan Simmons. Um, you know, Kyle Anderson doesn't have the athleticism, but he has a lot of skill. He's a decent mid-range shooter. He's a pretty good rebounder. Um, but Duncan retiring and Diaw being traded and being replaced by Kyle Gasol it's sort of a sad day among Spurs fans. Boris was a special player. Yeah. I just say nothing. I mean, we can't say enough about Tim Duncan and Spurs fans. I think the thinking is maybe like, look, the team's not doing anything with Parker's contract as it is. They don't have the cap space to pursue the firepower to compete with Golden State. Even if they, even if Tony Parker was playing for the minimum. Mm-hmm. I don't think they'd be able to add enough guys to compete with Golden State. Yeah. So in two years, Parker's off the books. Uh, Gasol will be off the books, and you still have Leonard Aldridge and Danny Green under what will look like phenomenal contracts. Yeah. And in, in, in the new salary cap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Danny Green's contract was great last year. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. did not have to go up for that contract to be great. Right. So, to me, it seems like shredding water in case Golden State can close or they all get injured, and so there's an open route to a championship. Because I do think the Spurs can still be the second. I don't see the Clippers being better than them. I don't see the Grizzlies being better than them. So, I guess the Spurs are still number two in the West. Wow. And if, if you're number two in the West, then there's a chance, right? There's a chance something funky happens. Yeah. And and if that something funky happens, you get you know an easier road to a championship. But uh, all it takes is one it, injury, it, right? It doesn't. Well, no, it, it takes like three injuries. <laughs> um, but um, but uh, I, I agree with Sam. It, it, it doesn't make them more athletic. I'm not sure it makes them better defensively. Um, but the team that beat them doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, they don't have to go against. The Adams, Abaka, Durant front court mm-hmm. ever again. Mm-hmm. And they, I, I uh, think that I think that would be crushed by Golden State. Yeah, they get crushed. I, I think most teams would. And the thing that I'm most concerned about if Duncan is in fact retiring is he's been phenomenal the past few years of uh, as a guy who will just go out there and play defense and rebound, but then as a guy who could also get a few valuable points when the Spurs needed it. Now, he did not, obviously he didn't play a good series against the Thunder, but he was the leading scorer for the Spurs in the playoffs two years ago mm-hmm. against the Clippers team. It felt, it, it it felt like we were watching Andre. It felt like we were watching 2005 Spurs where it's like, you know, well, Duncan's going to get his and we just hope he has enough help. Yeah. That, and that was two years ago. And so, it's just hard to imagine how this all in a role where you can say, you know what, I'm just going to rebound like crazy and play defense, and if I get some points, then that's good. And so I, it's that's that's tough. Like right that's now, really you're looking at it, and it doesn't. It's not feeling like it's not feeling like your Spurs. You don't have that same confidence going into the off season because this is truly maybe one of the first years where we're where we can't completely count on Tim Duncan to be at least a semblance of Tim Duncan. Would uh, Jonathan? Would you agree with that? Yeah, and this, I mean, the things he did, again, they didn't have other guys doing those things. He was their best interior defender. He was their best rim protector. 
you know, he was, he's like the goalie, you know, like during that with the Celtics teams. It's just like, you know, he's, he's, that, he's always, the defense is always better when he's on the court. Yeah. Um, and they still have Kawhi and Danny Green as this long, rangy, quick wings to lock up the perimeter players. But they're going to be missing Duncan a lot on the back line. Yeah. They get better offensively with Gasol. Um, and they, they, I mean, I guess their offensive numbers were good, but they had trouble scoring against Golden State and against Oklahoma City. Yeah. And I think they would have had trouble scoring against Cleveland. I mean, they, they, they sacrificed a lot of shooting by changing their offense. You know, Danny Green had a down year. Mm-hmm. Patty Mills had a down year. Mm-hmm. You know, I think guys shoot, like, look at Golden State, guys shoot better when the ball is jumping around the perimeter. That's different than like posting someone up or having Kawhi go on ISO, and then and you know then they lost Bellinelli too. They didn't have Bellinelli on. Yeah. So they lost some shooting, and that means they lost some scoring. It was a lot harder for them to come by points. Gasol does help with that, but it it does feel like a treading water kind of move. Right. Like, like okay, this this will keep us probably above the Grizzlies and the Clippers, but I mean, this Golden State would torch them. I mean, Golden, you know, look what they do to Kevin Love. Yeah, they do to Kyrie Irving. You know, they find the bad defenders, and but they're just merciless with them. And with Parker on the court and Gasol on the court, there's gonna be some bad defenders on the court. Yeah, there's. I mean, I, they're feeling like a little bit of a paper champion. I mean, this is, I mean, we are complaining a lot about a team that might win sixty wins. Yeah, <laughs> but I guess I can, <laughs> the equation changes. I mean, it's just weird. They won 67 last year, and they seemed far away from the championship by the end of the Oklahoma City series. They really did. And, and, and another and thing Oklahoma is that City lost to the team who lost to the team who won the championship. <laughs> so, yeah, they, so it does feel like they were looking, in hindsight, it feels like they were really far away from the title. But also, I think one reason that we're talking about them a little negatively is that we're also, both of us have, have talked about it as though Duncan is definitely retiring. Yeah, which is a, which is really difficult to deal with as a Spurs fan. Yeah, um, it is. And as an NBA fan, I mean, we're talking about someone who who was winning who was winning a title when I was not even in middle school. You know, <laughs> yeah, like I was in tenth grade. I was in tenth grade. Um, I have an analogy for you know between two thousand seven and two thousand eleven. You know, the Spurs won the title in two thousand seven, and then. You know, Michael Finley was a little too old. Brent Barry was a little too old. Um, and they went through a period where they sort of shuffled through, like, Antonio McDyke mm-hmm. and Roger Mason. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no. I know, good, I know where this is going. I guess, they got I guess some good draft picks. Like, they got DeJuan Blair. And um, they, they brought in veterans like Richard Jefferson. They threw, like, a hodgepodge. And it wasn't until, like, 2011... Blair came, they traded George Hill for Kawhi, they, they picked Danny Green off the scrap heap. Boris they Diaw. Boris Diaw was in 2012. And right now, it, it, this team feels like it's going to be, like if the Spurs win another championship, it's going to be like in two or three years when there are different players around Kawhi, Green, and Aldridge. Mm-hmm. And having Gasol and a few of the European draft picks, um... But, you know, continuing to look at Jonathan Simmons and Kyle Anderson, sort of feels like 2008-2009 Spurs. Mm. Like, yeah. this, is just, this is not the group of guys that's going to win it. They're going to do well because of Kawhi and Aldridge and Green. Um, but it doesn't feel like, okay, these are the pieces. Like, this is the group. 
Um, and so I feel like they're going to shuffle through a few years of, you know, being like a three, four, five seed in the West, depending on how competitive the West is, while they try to turn up the next group of secondary players who could take them back to the top. It's a little bit what it feels like to me. Um, can I, uh, so Jonathan, uh, I think we got to let you go really soon. Is that true? Yeah, I got to go. Okay, here. One last, uh, this is a hot take that I want to hit you with before you leave. My Philadelphia 76ers, so far they've made th- th- three legitimate signings, and I just want your thoughts before you hop off the line. Sam, do you mind if I if I hang on to you a little bit longer while Jonathan leaves yeah, us? Yeah, no, absolutely. Great. Um, Philadelphia 76ers, they signed Jared Bayless to a three-year deal. They, they just signed Gerald Henderson to a two-year deal. And Sergio Rodriguez, if you remember, was in the NBA. He's in Spain now. They just signed him to a one-year deal. They're trying to bring him back over to the NBA. What are your thoughts right off the bat regarding those signings? I know there's there's only there, the Sixers are a very different discussion than the Spurs, but Jared Bayless, <laughs> Gerald Henderson. What, what do you think? Do you think these are steps in the right direction? Sounds like they're still a bottom five team, and isn't that good? Yes, it is. There's they are actually being able to woo free agents. I think it's great. So you get you get. Up to 20 wins? Or 10? <laughs> or 12? Hey, um, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> um, At least and, 25 uh, wins. <laughs> so, and you're, you're still getting your high draft pick? You still have the extra pick from Hinky? That's correct. I, I mean, so I could, I could talk myself into it. I don't think it really changes anything. But I don't think it's bad. I mean, it's not like you're locking up someone... Like you got Mozgov and Lou all day. No, no, no. A billion dollars. I think they're decent signings because it allows the Sixers to get real backcourt players, which they don't have. They've had a, you know, all these draft picks they've they've gotten Embiid and Okafor. These are all big men. Even Simmons. Even Simmons, I think, is believed to be a point forward who can kind of do both. But he is really, you know, he's not your point guard. They need backcourt players, and I, I don't really care for Bayless or Henderson all that much. But at least they're. You know, they're low cost, they're low commitment, and they're at least legitimate, you know, players who are over the age of 23 who can come in and bring the ball up the court. Right. So, I mean, I mean no, no harm done, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I, I feel like it's at least moving, they're trending upward, they're at least finally committing to paying some people to play good basketball. Um, I mean, I'm, I believe there's going to be more wins next year. I, I would, I I think I think I'm. It's wishful thinking to think playoffs, but I definitely think they won't be a laughing stock anymore. Um, well, I'll, be, I'll be watching them for you, Sam. Well, I thank you. Here. I appreciate that, Jonathan. You have to go. Uh, SmithStreetStage.org. SmithStreetStage.org. That's SmithStreetStage.org. Jonathan, anything you want to plug about Smith Street Stage before you go? Uh, no, we get the, well, we get the rover coming up in August. But we'll probably be talking before then, and I'll have some some dates for you. Absolutely. Put her over by after Ben. All right, great. Um, you got to go. Thanks for joining us. Uh, if it's all right, I think I think you can just hang up, and then I can probably keep talking with Sam. All right. I'll talk to you later, man. Jonathan, thanks for coming on the show, man. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Later. Um, Sam, are you still there? I am. All right. I want to get some hot takes from you about just some other contract stuff. You got a little bit more time to talk? I do. I want to chime in on your 76ers 
Please, really I, I, I actually cut I cut you off. Uh, Jonathan had to go. Tell me what you think of some of these Sixers moves. I, um, I, I'm interested well, to get other people's opinions. Yeah, well, I, I like them. I think that, you know, I remember, last, I think it was around December of last season when uh, Stan Hankey basically said, you know, we thought we were going to be able to get something out of Kendall Marshall and we thought that that would kind of help us out a little bit. And I remember at the time it was seen as kind of like a punchline. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, well, well, he's clearly, like, he's not turning it around. But I think what he meant was, you know, they're a, that team is a few contributing, I mean, it's a stretch to call Kendall Marshall a veteran. Yeah. But a few contributing veterans away from being just regular bad. Right. Instead of historically bad. Right, right. And I think that's definitely where they are now. I think they're going to be a bad team, but they're not going to be... You know, the the jokes about the 76ers trying to lose, I think, will, will subside. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. as someone, look, I'm an NBA junkie. Sure. I love basketball, and I love League Pass. It's one of the best things to ever happen. Amen. And, <laughs> and I think the 76ers are getting close to being a team that can crack a League Pass rotation. Yeah, where I, if they're playing, I'm like, oh, you know what? I actually might turn in and watch some, you know, Ben Simmons and uh, and Okafor and you know those veterans that you talked and, about, Bayless and and, and, and and knock on wood, Joel Embiid. <laughs> right, right. So I think we're getting close to a team that could be a lot of fun to watch on the pass, even if they're not winning a ton of games. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you know the Timberwolves, who are one of my favorite league pass teams, just because you want to see Wiggins and Towns and you know. I mean, they weren't getting minutes at the end of the season, but Kevin but, Garnett and and Tayshawn Prince, like that's a fun team. Yeah, that's fireworks. You're seeing fireworks happen when those guys are all playing together. Exactly, and I think the 76ers have that kind of potential. So I think that as a as a a Philly fan, that's definitely something that um, that you should look forward to. I, and again, knocking on wood that that actually comes to fruition. I mean, I um, I definitely echo because I. You know, as a Philly fan, it's been clear that, you know, and I'm a big believer that this entire Sam Hinkie tanking process endeavor, in my mind, I think it was just handled wrong from a PR perspective. If you had just at least not sort of admitted to the press that you were doing what you were doing, then they would have fallen in the same boat as the Brooklyn Nets or the Los Angeles Lakers, who were just as terrible this season, but weren't ridiculed in the press about trying to tank because at least, you know, they made some semblance of an effort to put a team together. It just happened that that team was terrible, whereas the Sixers, they weren't hiding the fact that they weren't trying to put a team together. Um, right. And, and in fact, the Lakers had some serious bad press at the beginning of the season until Kobe announced he was going to retire. It's true, but, yeah. I mean, people were making fun of how bad the, the Lakers were and how bad Kobe was, who was still playing, you know, 30 minutes a game, 35 minutes a game instead of some of their young guys. And then once he announced he was retiring, all was forgiven. Yeah. And, and with the Nets, you know, they didn't have their pick, so no one could accuse them of... of of tanking, and in fact, that tells you how far apart the net situation is from the Sixers situation. They had a good draft night just because they got into the first round. <laughs> that that trade where they gave up that young for a first round pick—that's a success for the Nets team. And I live in Brooklyn, so I, I went to you know five or six Nets game this year, and I, I mean that that situation is much more dire than the than the 76ers. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, that's my take on it. Anyway. I'm, I mean, I'm just excited, and I completely agree, because I think the Nets, I mean, you want to talk about really screwing the pooch when it comes to a franchise. The Nets did every conceivable thing they could do to just put your franchise in a terrible situation where they're never going to be winning and spending through the nose on a bad team. Um, yeah. The Sixers, you know, I, I have to agree with you because now Jared Bayless is a player who would have never thought to come to Philadelphia because why would he ever? We're losing. Same thing with Gerald, uh, Gerald Henderson, but I do see these are quality rotational players. Um, I think Jared Bayless creates some stability at the point card position that you know, the closest thing they had would, was Ish Smith who they had to go, you know, they had to get yeah. rid of him and then get him back in midseason only when Jerry Colangelo came on board. By the way, Ish Smith got paid. He got a nice contract from Detroit. Good for him. I think he deserves it. Um, yeah. But, That's a good signing. They need a backup point guard in Detroit. They're playing Steve Blake. Yeah. Oh, my God. 20 minutes a game. And I, I ain't got uh, no beef with Steve Blake, but it's time to upgrade there. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's a few years away from being a, a contributor on a playoff team, which I guess Detroit technically is. No, I, I completely agree with you there. He was something a few years ago, but not anymore. He's kind of getting into the Andre Miller realm now. Um, <laughs> but this Sixers team, one of the other things that is, is you were saying before, is they are a legitimate team to a degree now because, you know, on paper, theoretically, we could be talking about seeing uh, Joel Embiid on the court. We could be seeing Okafor on the court. We could be seeing Ben Simmons. We could be seeing Dario Saric. And then, you know, yeah. you throw out there Jared Bayless as a legitimate point guard. And then, you know, maybe Gerald Henderson's your starting two guard. It's like, oh, they, they, could, they could win some games. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I felt like the biggest problem with the Sixers at least the first couple months of the the season before they traded for Ish Smith was the lack of a point guard. Yeah. You know, they had they, they didn't have anyone running the offense. They nope. were watching Jaleel Okafor try and get an entry pass mm-hmm. into the post and it's a struggle. Yeah. And so you imagine you imagine that upgrade um to Bayless and I think that's I think that's a great move and, you know, some of these other guys that could be out there. It could be a great team. Yeah. It could be a great league pass team. Now, and that's that's what I'm looking for. I want to hit you with some hot takes. I got okay. I've got a laundry list here of of this is not every single signing an extension that I saw, but it's a big long list and I want some of your quick reaction on just doesn't have to be long and involved, but just quick thoughts on every single deal as I hit you with it. Are you ready, Sam? Okay, let's do it. Here Light, we go. Lightning round hot takes. Lightning round hot takes. One of the first contracts to uh, hit free agency. The clock had just passed midnight. The ink wasn't even all that wet. Timothy Mozgov going to the Lakers for four years, $64 million. What do you think? Okay, I'm a little confused. I saw, I saw that they upgraded their center from Roy Hibbert. Yeah. Um, he was the 75th or 76th. Uh, center and offensive real plus minus. They've upgraded to Timothy Mozgov by one spot, who is now 75th offensive real plus minus for a lot of money. I thought that when that came in, I thought guys like Al Jefferson were going to get paid. I thought um, Noah was going to get paid a ton. And those contracts ended up being pretty reasonable compared to this one. Yeah. But I, I guess I guess 
they've got to hit the salary floor and they don't have Kobe on the books anymore. Yeah, that th- that is the only rationale I can understand behind that contract cuz it just feels oogie to me. It does not I understand the money he's commanding, I understand the desire. I still don't think he's worth it and I kind of don't think it's going to pan out all that well for Los Angeles. Those are just my thoughts. Um, yeah, I mean, if you watch some of those tapes from uh the 2015 finals, you can you can see that player in a a three-year, $64 million contract, but not if you watch them at all this year. Dude, amen. I couldn't agree more. That's exactly what I'm th- It's like, yes, last year he would have warranted that deal. This year it's like, really? Um, here, next take on the hot take. Jeremy Lin going to the Brooklyn Nets. Three years, $36 million. Oh, I love it. I think it's, I think it's a great move for them. They're starting Jeremy Lin instead of uh, Jared Jack and Shane Larkin. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, um, Shane Larkin. And as someone who winds up going to a lot of Nets games just because of proximity, I'm excited to see the Brook Lopez Jeremy Lin pick and roll. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. My favorite Jeremy Lin was when he was running a pick and roll with Tyson Chandler for the Knicks when Melo was still injured. Mm-hmm. Um, that was peak Lin Sanity, and I think we have a chance to see a, uh, maybe not another peak Lin Sanity, but maybe a mini peak. Dude, um, that would be exciting. Bring him back to New York, man. They'll sell jerseys. They'll sell shirts. And uh, I think you're absolutely yeah. right. It'll equate to better basketball for the Nets. Yeah, at least more watchable basketball, which, again, with 76ers, that's what we're talking about. That's going to be a more fun team to watch, even if they're not competing. Next hot take. Bradley Beal getting a max deal with the Wizards. Five years, somewhere around $130 million. Um, I... You know, I actually follow the Wizards pretty closely. I went to school outside of D.C. Shout out to George Mason University. Go Patriots. What? what? Um, so I, I, kinda, I started following them when I was in college. I, I'm hesitant to say that I love the deal, but I think they had to do it. If you look at Bradley Beal as a shooting guard that shoots as well as he does and is not a defensive liability, there's maybe five teams in the NBA that he wouldn't start for right now mm-hmm. if he was signed there. You know, he's not starting for the Warriors. He's probably not starting for, um, well, no, he actually could start for the Thunder now. But yeah. I think there's like, there's like four or five teams that wouldn't start Bradley Beal right now, and that sounds like a max player. Yeah. If you're talking about someone who could start on 25 or 26 NBA teams, that's a max. So I, I like it. I think, yeah, I think they had to do it. Yeah, I agree. The injury history gives me pause, but I completely agree with you. You can't not lock him up for as much as you can. Um, next hot take, Al Jefferson signing with the Indiana Pacers, three years, $30 million. I think it's a great deal. I feel like this is, other than Mozgov, I feel like I'm going really positive here. That's, um, that's okay, man. I've, I've named some good deals so far. I think that for $10 million a year, I mean, he made $13 million last year, and he was starting, so I think at $10 million, he could potentially come off the bench, mm-hmm. um, become a post-scorer for the second unit. Um, I don't know if he'll be able to play next to Miles Turner, but he might not need to. Mm. Um, so I, I think that as for a team that could use some lineups, some bench lineups that can get them some points, I like it. I like it for them. I don't know how much better that team is. I think they're still probably you know, the six or seven seed in the, in the, in the East. Yeah, I agree. But, um, but no, I, I like the signing. Uh, Joe Kim Noah going to the Knicks four years, 72 million. Okay. I'm a little confused as to what the, what that, what the hell the was. Knicks are doing. Because I remember when, when, okay. When they traded for Derrick Rose, 
I remember thinking, okay, the, this, we have a knee-jerk reaction here of assuming that since it's the Knicks and since it's uh, a player that's past their prime, we're assuming this is a horrible deal. But if you look at turning Robin Lopez and Jerry and Grant into $25 million and expiring in, uh, in Derrick Rose, I was like, you know what, that's actually not a terrible move for a team that wants to maintain flexibility and potentially get some free agents in the next couple of years. Yeah. And, then they, and then they locked down Noah for four years. Um, I don't think the price tag is too much. I think that the years are too much. I think that we're going to look at that $18 million in that fourth year of the contract when he's going to be, what, 30, 38, 39? Yeah, I think so. And, and think to ourselves, like, that was, that's, he's, he's overpaid that year. Um, but I think that it's, it does let um, Przingis develop a little bit. You know, you can, you can have him at the center if mm-hmm. Noah goes to the bench, or you can keep playing him at the four. Um, obviously, he's got a good shot to get stretched to the four. So I don't. I don't hate the price tag. I don't like the years. I um, I'm I'm a I'm just a big Joe Kim Noah fan. I got a lot of uh, I got a lot of love for him. I, I'm going to have a lot of faith in him to succeed in New York. But I agree, I don't have a problem with the money either. I do have a problem with the yearly commitment because I think you're right. If he does break down by year three or four, you know they're they're going to have some buyer's remorse at that point. Yeah. Um. Yep. Let me hit you, Demar Derozan, max deal, five years with the Raptors. What do you think? Um, I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, the starters, and they're obviously a Toronto fan. Um, and one point that they made was that it's not a great move when you consider how much um, him and Lowry were struggling in the playoffs. Yeah. But it is a good move if you're talking about um, building a franchise that free agents and other players can cross. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're gonna, people are going to look at this deal and say, okay, well, DeRozan is not exactly the all-star that you would want to pair with Kyle Lowry. Right. Um, obviously, it'd be nice if he had more of a, uh, of a three-point shot, but he did a lot for the city, did a lot for the team, and they took care of him. Yeah. Um, and who knows? Maybe you know this is the first year that they got out of the first round, and once they got into the second and third round, they struggled. Well, they, I mean, all of their series were seven games, so they struggled the whole playoffs. But they made the Eastern Conference Finals, and maybe they can do that again. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it I mean, was a first. Yeah. So maybe the team as a whole um, learns from that experience and, and are better next year. And Durham's obviously a huge part of that. So I like it. I think they had to do it. I mean, this feels like Bradley Beal. It's sort of like you can't, yeah. you can't not do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Evan Turner, four years, $75 million with the Portland Trailblazers. I was a little confused by this one. Um, he seems like um, he's got a good mid-range shot, which I think is good, but it's tough to imagine him, uh, you know, them playing a crunch time lineup with him and Lillard both sharing the ball and then C.J. McCollum also on the wing. It's That's a super small lineup. Yeah. And so I feel like, I guess that, I guess that money is backup money when you think about the how much the cap has risen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I think that they would have, they would have done better to spend that money on, um, uh, you know, a, a more athletic wing kind of like, you know, obviously Kawhi Leonard is not available, but maybe that type, uh, you know, a guy that can play multiple wing positions, which mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if Evan Turner can do. Yeah. Um, but you know, the team, that team is 
really young. So obviously they're still experimenting, and who knows? I mean, maybe they maybe they wind up moving C.J. McCollum down the line for a superstar, and then you know Evan Turner becomes the, the shooting guard, and I don't know. I mean, Evan Turner's a rangy, sort of physical, athletic defender who, you know, I can understand the Blazers going and getting him. I still have a little bit of a – he's got a bit of a stigma with me just because I remember his time in Philadelphia. He didn't really – Yeah. He didn't really yeah. endear Philadelphia Sixer fans. I mean, it was – he was a number two overall pick. We were expecting more. Yeah. Um, Della Vadova signing a four-year, $38 million deal with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, really interesting. You know, you can't trust anything that a coach says about the following season – in uh, March, but when Jason Kidd came out and said, you know, Giannis is our point guard, we're going with Antetokounmpo as our point guard, I kind of raised my eyebrows and said, what do you gain from making that announcement right now? Yeah. Um, and so maybe Delvadova is going there as kind of insurance in case, um, in case they don't like the Giannis at point guard set, or maybe... He's just there to, to come off the bench and um, and run the offense when they want a, a little bit of a change of pace. But you know he's obviously he's obviously a good perimeter defender at least for his size. Mm-hmm. You know when you when you look at what he's been able to do. Yeah. But it's tough when you look at both him and Mozgov and wonder you know if those teams if, if those guys can't get minutes on a team that's competing then. How much are they upgrading, um, you know, the teams that they're going to? Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's, I think it's a, I mean, I like Della Vadova. It is a bit of a head scratcher. And I mean, it's not a head scratcher when you think about it in the sense that this guy just worked his tail off, you know, got a lot of face time on national TV. And there's some teams out there that want to get him. I mean, he's kind of a, yeah. he's kind of he's the gonna... Cleveland version of Harrison Barnes on the Warriors. You know, somebody's going to want him. Yeah, I guess I guess that's a decent point. I mean, Harrison Barnes was playing in the finals. That's true. That's um, actually that's unlike Delavadova. Right, right. But he has, he does have like a huge shoe deal in China or through a Chinese sneaker company. So yeah, I mean, I think there is some appeal there. Um, yeah. Dwight Howard going to the Atlanta Hawks, three years, seventy point five million. Um, I I like it. You know, I thought I actually think that was a little bit less than I expected Howard to get. And I agree. I thought he was actually. I don't think he should get more. I thought he would get more. I yeah, absolutely. I, that's that's exactly how I feel. And I think that it's a little confusing when I, I remember, you know, the day that Horford signed with Boston, Woj was tweeting that the Hawks felt like they were still in the running uh, for Horford, and I thought then. Why did you sign Howard right off the get, yeah. right off the bat? Did they not think that deal was going to be there later, or did they think that Horford wouldn't mind? If, or were they going to move Millsap and move Horford to the four? I don't know. Um, in terms of bringing in a guy to replace Horford, I think that that I, I think it's a a good move. Yeah. Um, you know, Millsap is so versatile that I think that they'll be able they'll still be able to do a lot of fun stuff on offense, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even though Howard isn't quite as um, as skilled as Horford on that end. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it comes down to what kind of Howard we get. You know, his first year in, in Houston, when he came back from injury, he was contributing. He looked, it looked like a solid team. And then this year, that I don't know, it's tough to judge any of the Rockets based on 
their chemistry and what they look like this year. So I think that I just like the change of scenery for Dwight, and I like that they picked up a replacement for Horford. No, um, I, I think it's good. I'm just so skeptical of Dwight at this point. You know, I think he's on the decline. You know, I feel like he's he's not at the Patrick Ewing, you know, Seattle Supersonics or Hakeem Olajuwon <laughs> Toronto Raptors stage. Right, right. But, he, but he's getting there every day. And I just, it's, it, I sort of raise an eyebrow when I see him command that type of salary. I would not be surprised if we saw a, a Dwight resurgence uh, this season. I could, th- I could see him, you know, I could see him doing... Uh, 17 points a game and 12 rebounds or something like that. Yeah. Um, no, I, I can, I can absolutely see that. Possibility. It's a, I mean, he's still Dwight Howard. He's still a seriously dominant force. Um, and you know, even like the Hakeem Elijah one in Toronto, you know, big men, they don't have to run around as much. They don't, you know, sometimes just get down low and block the ball. I mean, Dikembe Mutombo lasted a very long time in this league. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, um Go ahead. No, go ahead, please. I was going to say, we'll see if he can handle that kind of role shift. You know, like, I think that, I think that he could definitely be kind of a defensive specialist, but I think that he wants his touches and I think he can get them in Atlanta. So maybe he'll be, I think he'll be a better player on both ends of the ball. Mm. Um, if he doesn't get those touches, I could be wrong. We obviously, you know, I didn't think Durant was going to leave. Um, I'm not very good at, analyzing the psyche of NBA players. So that's just my two cents. <laughs> that's a listen. I think you're doing as good a job as anybody out there. This is all we're, you're seeing the same thing we're seeing. You're reading the same stuff we're reading. Uh, I want to hit you with two more contracts before we hop off. Um, Luol Deng signs with the Lakers four years, 72 million. What do you think? Um, I, I'm really going to come off as a Laker hater because I also was not a fan of the Mozgov signing. But I just don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what Dang is contributing that makes them think that four years from now he's going to be worth what uh, four years seventy two. So about eighteen million. That's I big just money. Don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a big chunk. Um, yeah, so I, I think that I think that they will regret this when they see him in the last year of that contract because. If you look at the player he was in Miami, still good. Yeah, still definitely showed flashes of of um, of greatness. But he he just looks like he's slowing down a lot, and that that really matters. Um, I mean, I guess the Lakers aren't in playoff contention, but if you imagine him on the wing, you know, trying to cover Clay Thompson mm-hmm. um, or or Kawhi Leonard, it's like he. I feel like his bread and butter is a defensive specialist, kind of like Iggy, a defensive specialist who can get you points. And I don't know how much he's going to be able to do that. Yeah, and, and I do. Th- I think there is a there is partially the idea of wanting some veteran leadership there. I think that is a component. You know, there's a you know the Lakers. I, we were saying it before about the Sixers. You know, they're a very young team with a lot of draft picks, and now that Kobe's gone, you know, most of the veterans. I mean, I think there's Brandon Bass and Lou Williams, and there's not a lot of old guys on that team, and I think Lou Aldang is part of that. Bring some, you know, some serious experience. You know, Lou Aldang's got a lot of uh, a lot of experience playing on legitimate playoff teams in this league. You know, he was on that Bulls team when they were seriously competitive. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, uh, you know, he was a big player on the Heat last year as well, and I thought there was a really strong resurgence of him there. I mean, I like Lou Aldang as a player. I think he's a great player. Um yeah, but uh, you know, I agree with you. I just, 
I feel like the Lakers are their their decisions are a little misguided. I don't know what Mitch Kupchak's thinking. Well, I guess at the same point, if at the same time, if you don't think they're going to be competing in four years, they probably they probably don't care about the length of the contract anyway. Yeah, no. You know, if, if they don't think he's going to be a, a hindrance on the cap, I mean, at that point, Ingram's going to be 22, 23 years old. So you know, who cares that he's making eighteen million? We're still developing yeah. the next generation of guys. But it's—I don't know—it seemed, it seemed a little. And then you know, pricey. then if the salary cap balloons again, his deal might look—you uh, know—like a bargain at that point. Who that's, knows? That's a great point. That's a really good point. Um, when they, it goes up another twenty million next oh year. Oh my god, I can't even think about it. Um, okay, the last one I'm going to hit you with. I thought this one was was a nice, fun one to finish this uh, this show off with. Rajon Rondo sides a two-year, $28 million deal with the Chicago Bulls. Come on now. What do you think of that? Okay, I like, I like that it's two years. Um, just because Rondo does not have a great track record of being a good locker room guy. That's um, putting it nicely. <laughs> yeah, uh, rest in peace to um, the 2015-2016 uh, Sacramento Kings, my favorite dysfunctional team of all time. My goodness, they were fun to watch. Um, I mean, just, just you know, George Carl seemingly having lost the team before even stepping into the locker room. You've got Cousins, who can be one of the most spectacular individual performers ever. You've got Rondo, who's clearly playing contract year Rondo. I mean, wants the assist title and all that. Desperately. And then on top of this, you've got, you've got Bellinelli, well, Bellinelli had an off year, but you've got Omri Caspi raining down threes. Yeah. I mean, that was an entertaining team. That, I'm glad that that team existed. I'm also glad that I was not a fan of them because <laughs> that would, I think, it'd be difficult. But Rondo in in Chicago, I, I just think if you saw that, that Rose and Butler wouldn't be able to play together, at least for their style, I mean, Rondo's like a, like, He's basically Derrick Rose. You know, he's, he doesn't have much of a jump shot. He's got to get his points at the rim. Yep. Um, and, I mean, I guess... And, and I don't want to say Derrick Rose is a bad a defender, because I think Rondo's a terrible defender. But, I mean, Derrick Rose, I think after the injuries, you know, he kind of had the same defensive mentality as, like, Allen Iverson. I'm not the greatest defender, but I'm just so athletic and so fast that I can beat yeah. every man over the screen and I can always chase you down. And I think Derrick Rose lost a lot of that with the injuries. So he was also a bit of a defensive liability, sort of. So in some ways, I completely agree with you. Rondo's like a replacement. He's, he's another. He's a carbon copy. Yeah, I mean, he's making, on that deal, he's making about, what, $9 million less? I think Rose was set to, to make like $23.5 million this year. That's about right, yeah. So, so he's making a little bit less. It's a short contract, so I think they can figure out if they – you know, if they think it can work, then great. And if not, it's just two years. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see if they can really build the team around Jimmy Butler, um, at least offensively. Oh, and I also want to see what Miritich can do. I never yeah. thought he got – I don't think he – I think he was in a tough spot because I think he's tough to play with Gasol. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in the right lineup, he could be a really interesting player. And maybe maybe those three pointers come a little bit easier with Rondo's athleticism um, and playing some slash and kick. I don't know. Um, so I don't hate the signing. I don't re- particularly like it either. That's I thought that that was a little that was a little bit more than what I thought Rondo would get. I, I would get I maybe ten million a year, twelve million a year, something like that. Um, I, I agree. I did not see him commanding fourteen million. 
yeah, but I also don't think it's a dramatic overpay. No, um, absolutely. Uh, but I'm, I'm just so on the fence with him as a player now. It's, yeah. It, it kind of feels weird any team signing him. But, I mean, listen, someone was going to sign him. Yeah. Well, uh, we talked an awful lot, Sam. Uh, we even, I mean, we talked so much we lost your brother halfway through the podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he couldn't keep up. Uh, <laughs> lots of stuff to talk about. Dude, I'm going to, um, here, can I, I want to sign off, but can I keep you on the line for a little bit longer? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so here, um, I think that's all we need to talk about for today. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this is Sam Hopkins, brother of Jonathan Hopkins. You might have heard Jonathan on the show before. Sam is now going to be on the show. We're going to now be bringing both of them back, so you'll get pl- uh, a heavy dose of Hopkins in the so. in the future on Sam's Sports Podcast. Um, but listen, is there anything you want to plug, anything you want to mention, or anybody you want to give a shout-out to? Um, no, I'm going to give a... Um... I'm going to give uh, a shout-out to NBA Free Agency for being so entertaining um, and really making the NBA a year-round sport. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. I, I got nothing to plug. Well, I'll, awesome. plug, you know, I'll, plug I'll plug the city of Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> go Ho- New York. Holler, and, Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. What up, BK? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, listen, Sam, thank you so much for coming on today. I really just, I love talking sports with you guys, and this was just a real treat for me, and I was really looking forward to it. And, I, uh, and I'm sure all the listeners are enjoying our, our commentary as well. This is some good stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's a ton of fun. Absolutely. Always. Absolutely. We're going to, dude, we're going to be having you back real soon. Um, all right, that's, uh, that's all we have for the podcast for today. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back soon. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay.